You're listening to the Diary Discoveries podcast brought to you by Sally'sDiaries.com. Now here's your hosts, Sally Ivey and Jeff Richards. Okay, we're here for another one, and I hope nobody forgot about us, but we've been trying to get this out, but there's been a lot of reasons we haven't. Yeah, Sally's been involved in a major project that's taking up quite a bit of her time, and the nature of this diary itself that we've been waiting, because we've been trying to figure out who it is. So that's another good reason for anybody who's listening that wants to know when the next one's coming out, to go ahead and go to sallysdiaries.com. Go to the podcast page, and there's a place where you can enter your email. We don't share that with anybody, and we will send you out an email alert when the new episode is available. And doesn't their name go on with thousands and thousands of others? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're dreaming of that. That's right. You know, we are growing, and there are a a nice group of you out there who are- a wonderful group. And we really appreciate it because, you know, we would do this for one person- we would do it for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Which whole, we are. The whole reason we started the podcast was for Sally to be able to share the stories mm-hmm. within these diaries so that they're not all sitting down in the safe because yeah. there's amazing stories. Amazing stories. And they're fun to do. And and this one, it's been, I would say, a great challenge. And all the more reason to call this podcast Diary Discoveries is because of dis- trying to discover our author who wrote this since she didn't write her name in this diary has been... Again, quite the challenge. Yeah, we entitled it Hawaii, Hollywood, and a Horse. And so you'll find out why, but this author ends up, she knows quite a few famous people. Yeah, movie stars mostly, and in fact, one of her best friends. In in fact, one time in the diary around her birthday, she said, I had the two loves of my life, Andrea and my mother. And so you'll learn a lot more about Andrea and why she's so important in this diary. But, yeah. Yeah. And we've been working on trying to figure out who she is. And Sally thought she had it. I did. I and did. so we've got a photo of her mother and herself. And so we're guessing their ages because we don't know exactly how old they are. We know her birthday is March 1st, which is a very, very important date in history. <laughs> yeah, that's the <laughs> that's, day you were born. That's the day I was born. That's we right. We don't know the year she was born, of course, but it was March 1st. And that's a good clue. It is. Well, so right now what we're doing, I, Detective Jeff has joined the case <laughs> and we are going through the shipping passenger list. And we are going to try to narrow it down based on the clues and guessing their ages and try to figure out who it is that wrote this diary. And Ancestry is a shout out to Ancestry. They are amazing when it comes to finding passenger lists. So if you know the date that your relatives or anybody you're trying to find out, if you know the exact sailing date, you can pretty much find the passenger list, the original ones. So what I did is I printed all 30 pages out, and I said, go for it, Jeff. Let's see if we can't find out who she is. Well, and we're still working on it. We decided to go ahead and start recording anyway. If we figure it out in the middle of it, well, we can put it in. And if we don't, we can add it, you know, in a future podcast. We'll give clues in case anybody wants to try to find out for themselves. Yeah, I guess that would be cool. Yeah. So with that, let's just get going and start talking about the diary. Okay, it's a beautiful blue diary. 
actually, about five inches by seven inches. And it's got gold lettering and on the front, and you'll see this on Sally's, my website, sallysdiaries.com. It's got the word travels on it. Then on the side, there's a red and white pencil that slipped into this little leather slip cover. And that's actually the pencil she used to write in her diary. There's 160 pages of writing. There's also photographs inside and a pressed flower, which we'll also explain, newspaper clippings. So it just really has everything you'd ever want in a diary, except her name. Except her name. Yeah. So uh, I'll be posting a lot of photos from the pages and the diary itself um, on my website. So this is the format we've decided to do with this particular episode. I I want people to get the feeling that I get when I'm opening up a diary and reading the excerpts. So we've picked out several excerpts to read, starting from the very beginning, working our way through to the very end. So you'll be hearing quite a few of her handwritten entries. Within that time frame that we're doing that, we'll be breaking in here and there just to kind of give you a, you know, our thoughts on expert commentary. Oh, ex- that's right. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to be humble, but I forgot. <laughs> no. <laughs> it is expert commentary. Um, just on who the different people are, uh, things that we've learned along the way. And uh, so that's kind of the way we're going to do things. All right. You want to start off on the first day? I do. I remember the year is 1950. So our author and her mother, they leave from New York, and they're traveling on the Vista Dome, California, Zephyr train. And I'm going to have a picture of that train on my website also, because it's an amazing thing, because it's got this glass observation dome at the very top deck. So when she talks about the observation card, that's what you'll see. January 11th. Spent most of the day in Vista Dome viewing some of the most wonderful scenery. The grandeur of the Rockies is something. Climbed steadily all day after leaving Denver. The Colorado River paralleled the route most of the day. January 12th. Blizzard during the night made the Sierra Nevadas a paradise of winter wonderland. Every pine and telegraph wire laden with snow, 165 miles of the Feather River Canyon, and on the last leg a rock slide that held us up two and a half hours. Arrived finally and took ferry to San Francisco. On to the mark and dinner in the room, early to bed. So the mark is the Mark Hopkins Hotel, so she calls it the mark. January 14th. Breakfast at the Mark in room 1716. Lunch at Mark Dining Room preceded by cocktails top of the Mark. Then shopping at the White House and a tour by Mills Car of Fisherman's Wharf and the Presidio. Home at five with barely enough time to dress for the Smith's cocktail party. Rudy Valley was also present and both mother and I found him very charming. After the party, went to the Tonga room for dinner and then sat in the lobby and commented on the gowns worn for the snowball. So you notice she mentioned Rudy Valley. Well, Rudy Valley was a very famous uh, radio broadcaster and singer. And we looked up several of his old time uh, videos, actually, of him singing his songs. So it's kind of interesting already that she's attending parties with 
stars already. Yeah. Did it say he was an actor too? I think he so. Did? Yes. Yeah. Yes. You're right. So he did some of that. Mm-hmm. Well, there's our first big name. January 17th, they're on the ship, the SS Lurline. And weren't your grandparents on? My grandparents, uh, when they would sail to Hawaii, they always took the SS Lurline. And I believe that was probably 1950s and 60s also. Yeah. All right. Well, they're on that ship. Just finished breakfast in our cabin and filled out various and sundry forms. There's a horse racing this morning and bingo tonight. Haven't learned the ship yet, but plan to do that today. Our stewardess, Billy, seems very sweet. Went on deck and played horse races and slot machines. Lost on both. Found out that the time has turned back a half hour a night for four nights. Had a couple of old fashions before lunch with Mr. Davis. Well, here she mentioned going on deck and doing the horse racing game. So that's a game where there's wooden horses and they're on a like a checkerboard playing ground and they roll dice and sometimes three dice. So those are the three horses that get to move. They're one through six and people place their bets and they're quite popular. And we watched one video on YouTube where the number one horse didn't even get out of the gate uh, for quite a while. And all the other horses were clear down the track when all of a sudden they kept rolling like double ones. And that horse all of a sudden came all the way from the very back and won the race. And it was actually exciting. You got so excited. <laughs> I was laughing. That. I was going, it's going to win. <laughs> <laughs> so they are fun. And, and I'm sure and this was a very popular ac- activity. Oh, very popular. I read about it all the time when I read travel diaries. So, And I had never looked up the game itself as far as how they play it on the board of the ship until you looked it up and I saw the video. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, it was. Well, and here's also our first mention of cocktails, the old fashions, because that becomes quite a theme. Oh, as you will see. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, let's go make a drink. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, the other thing I wanted to mention really quick too, is it seems like we're skipping days, but we are. Again, this diary has 160 pages. And if we were to read every single day, it would be, you know, episode 16, (laughs) you know, and and they're worthy of sharing. But we tried to condense them to make this, to fit this all into this episode. Okay. You can do the 19th? I will. January 19th, they're on board the ship, had a late breakfast and read in our deck chairs, played the slot machines and had cocktails with the Sheehan's and Mr. Frankie. Read and rested in the cabin and went to Mr. Davis's cabin before dinner for cocktails. Mr. Frankie brought wine for dinner, played Keno, and then sat in the bar until 1.30. I came down to the cabin and was in bed when the phone rang. Mrs. Sheehan asking me to come down to their cabin. Got up, dressed, and went down. Retired at 3 o'clock a.m. By the way, it was fun that night and we howled. Wouldn't have missed it for the world. Worth getting dressed for again. January 21st, landing at Honolulu, up at 6 o'clock and on deck to see Honolulu come into view. The Sheehan's boat picked us up off Diamond Head and was the first to greet us. In a while, a group of boats with loudspeakers came out and called out greetings to various people on deck. Just off Waikiki Beach, the ship came to a stop and the barges with official greeters came alongside. Each person was taken with the most beautiful lays. In a moment, the deck was crowded with people calling aloha and putting lays around their friends' necks. Photographers were snapping pictures and people shouting greetings to one another. 
The Sheehan's welcomed us in the Hawaiian way, saying aloha, putting a tube rose and a carnation lei about our necks, and kissing us. A very pleasant and heartwarming custom. Then into the dock next to the Aloha Tower with the band playing and more hundreds of people waiting to greet their loved ones. Now, that is really something. That's, it is. You know, what a, what a way to enter into a place. I remember when I went to Hawaii with my grandma and grandpa when I was just like 18 or 19, and they did the same thing. But, you know, just lately in 2012, I went on a boat to over the Titanic, which was the most amazing trip ever. But when we were dropped off at the shipping yard, you couldn't even... I mean, you had to go down tunnel after tunnel after tunnel. Nobody could go with you to the boat. So things have changed. Yeah. It's not just people on the docks waving, you know, goodbye or hello. Definitely anymore. not as much fanfare. No, definitely not. Yeah. All right. Well, she writes, we disembarked and took a cab to the Royal, went to our room and then went down. On our arrival, our picture were snapped and the lobby was crowded with people arriving from the ship and about to leave on the return trip. We finally went into the bar at 10 o'clock or so and there found Hoplarcher, Mr. and Mrs. Weiss, and others of the General Motors family. Mr. Weiss had come aboard to welcome us, complete with all the trimmings, and had missed us. We sat there in the Lanai bar and had drinks until about 1 o'clock. More drinking. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and the picture that she talks about being snapped when they got there is, again, going to be on the website because she has the one that in the diary. And then there's also the picture of them sitting at the table with all these people she mentioned. That. So both of those are in the back. Yeah. And the tubular rose, she took a piece of the rose off and pressed it and put that in her diary. So those are some cool things when they mention them and also put them in their diary. January 29th. Tomorrow we go down and pick out plane tickets for our Tuesday flight to Hawaii. Shirley Temple arrived tonight during the show and a mad stampede ensued from the porch to the lobby to see her come in. She has suite 3E practically next door to us so we shall see her no doubt many times in the next two weeks without breaking our necks. So for those of you who do not know who Shirley Temple is, I do because I'm you know, older, but she was a child star in the 1940s, maybe 30s or 40s, but she's an adult here while she's with her daughter here in Hawaii. So She was pretty famous. She was so famous. When she was a little girl and she was in those movies where she was tap dancing, I mean, utterly adorable. Yes, adorable. Yeah. And I found a picture of Shirley and her daughter, and it looks like her daughter is about the same age as our author of the diary um, mentions. And so this picture could have very easily been taken while she was on her trip to Hawaii. Yeah. Well, and we will come back to Shirley Temple because there's another little tie-in later that oh, we're yes. going to mention. Yes. So don't forget about her. We aren't going to quote from this, but it said Shirley also the next day goes down with her daughter to the beach. And she said, her author says that everybody just lines up on the beach just to stare at her. Yeah. So that meant all that. As I would drag usual, you nuts. Exactly. January 30th. Mother joined me for a swim, and the water was perfect. Came up and bathed and changed for dinner. Went down for cocktails. Shirley and family came in, and then she left. This is Shirley Temple. Met her coming through the lobby with Linda Susan, a darling little girl, all dressed in white organdy with a big pink bow tied in back. Her mother was taking her down to see the waves and stars. 
It's Linda's second birthday today, so perhaps that's why the late staying up is allowed. Retiring early as we catch a 9 a.m. plane. Are taking the ruins in the car with us to the airport. Left a 6.30 call for tomorrow. Ouch. So the plane is, so they're going to kind of go island hopping. They go over to Kona, and she talks about staying at the Volcano House, and I've looked that up. It's an incredible inn that is at the top of one of the major volcanoes, which I discovered there was a major eruption of that volcano in 1949, the year before they came. So that was kind of interesting. And then she also writes that Shirley Temple decided to check out of the hotel because there were just way too many people gawking and staring, and she ended up getting her own Rumor has it, she ended up getting her own private house. Okay, back to the diary. February 6th. Had a couple of drinks and then drove back to the inn for a 9 p.m. party. Two kinds of wine, whiskey galore, and steaks two inches thick. An orchestra, Hawaiian, and a hula show all the time before, during, and after dinner until midnight. We left the party with Hop and back in room 89. Had no sooner sprayed the room with flit and turned out the light when the phone rang. Jack Sheehan. Two minutes later, he was pounding on the door and demanding we come to the party in Frank's room, two doors down. We protested, but in self-defense, I went attired in pajamas and a white coat while mother blew in in a negligee and no makeup. Stayed about 20 minutes and then left. Heard the party lasted until 5 a.m., Slept like a top in a very damp sheets. There was a bit of feeling going on in Frank's room. Jack's secretary was there, and Helen was none too happy. Florence, the secretary, was quite blatant about hanging around and eventually went home with Helen and Jack. Helen made up the bed, putting on clean sheets. Then Florence decided to go home. Jack took her. Also, some of the others were high and highly righteous. Still, it was fun. It's quite the passage, isn't it? That is. I want to know who the secretary is <laughs> and the relationship. Well, yeah. Don't think I ever will, but um, yeah, I love it. And a lot more drinking. And 5 a.m. There was a party until 5 a.m. They're just going for it. And having a good time. <laughs> well, I was kind of wondering how much weight she put on at the end of this trip. <laughs> There's so much food. Tons of food. Lots of drinking. Oh. Not not the mention of one single workout, well, although she did say she went for a swim. Yes, she so went there for is a that. swim. Yes, and the horse races. Well, she's not doing the running. <laughs> Sorry, she's, <laughs> she's not, not the, the jockey, horse. right? <laughs> okay. Oh, then it goes on for several more days, uh, but they finally leave for L.A. on February 13th, again on the SS Lure Line. We didn't do any entries on board because there was a lot of the same, still really interesting, but a lot of horse races drinking, more drinking, the slots, and, slots mm -hmm. and then lots of time spent in the deck chairs. And then they finally arrive in Los Angeles, February 18th. She writes on the 18th, at the finish of the inspection with customs, we finally got underway for the dock, already an hour and a half late. A man on his way to deportation to Germany jumped overboard, but was hauled aboard the tug and didn't get far. You know, that was interesting. Desperate guy. Yeah. And also, I'm going to mention it here. Reading through this diary, she all of her N's were upside down. Yeah. And most of her M's. And so when you, I read man, 
it was weird looking. And mm-hmm. it took me a while to figure out that she wrote M-A-N. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's her habit of writing. And until you, once you start reading the diary and really get into a habit of the, about the way she writes, then it gets a little easier. But from the beginning, it was tough. Well, you're really good at it. All, all the years you've spent reading, writing, and diaries. You know, that is, I'll have to tell you people, um, it is a skill. And you've developed an eye and you can read a lot of things that I have no idea what they are. Yeah. It's been a fun, it's been a fun thing to learn. It really has because I remember, and I can't remember if we've mentioned this before, but I remember getting a diary 10 years ago and I could not read it at all. I put it away. I just thought there's going to be no way I'm going to be able to get through it. 10 years later, I picked it up and I could read it. So it just shows you it is a learned thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, and you're really good at it. So luckily, there, there's you, because if I was doing this, we wouldn't be getting far. <laughs> no, we would. <laughs> well, it's on to the Beverly Hills Hotel, and that's an incredibly beautiful, iconic hotel that her and her mother are staying at. I'm going to post a photo of the Beverly Hills Hotel on the web when it was first built. And this is the part of the history of it that shocked me, and I want to read a little bit about it. The Beverly Hills Hotel opened on May 12, 1912, before the city even existed. That shocked me. The idea was to create a hotel for people to stay at while looking at property to buy in the area. The original owner and founder of the Beverly Hills Hotel was Margaret Anderson, and her motto for the hotel was, guests are entitled to the best of everything regardless of cost. The Polo Lounge has been known as the epicenter of power dining in L.A. and the preferred place to be for legendary stars and Hollywood dealmakers. It was established in the 1930s and was named after the polo fields on which it was built. And you'll see in this photo, it shows the hotel in the middle of nowhere. Nothing's around it. And I have been to the Beverly Hills Hotel when I was in LA, and it's incredible. It really is. So it's worthy of um, looking up. So they rented a car, and it was a pearl gray, black-topped 1949 Ford convertible that uh, she had to drive around. And there were a couple days when she wasn't able to see her friend, Andrea, yet. Uh, Her daughter was ill, Mm -hmm. and she also wasn't feeling quite up to snuff. So they just did some sightseeing, and she wrote that she drove by Andrea's house so she'd know where it was, I guess. And then she had lunch at the Brown Derby, and that was a very iconic place in Hollywood. Another one, yes. And saw some stars. And um, the star she mentions many of the stars, but one was William Bendix and Oscar Levant, which was a famous pianist. So all of a sudden we get... All the Hollywood stars starting to come on board. Yeah, we're going to start hearing some more names. February 22nd, early start today as we are off to Santa Anita, the racetrack. The Jacksons picking us up at 10 o'clock. Had a nice drive to Pasadena and drinks and lunch at the Huntington. Picked up our box seats from Miss Beatty and got some tips from Nick, the head waiter. Arrived in plenty of time for the first race, which I collected $14 on. Very wonderful box right next to the Turf Club entrance. Got lots of exercise, betting, and collecting. Had high balls in the box during the races. Then we were taken into the turf club. Our hands were stamped, and we were members for a day. After the eighth race, got a table on the turf club and had several more drinks. Went to Anna Mae Wong's brother's Chinese restaurant down in Old Chinatown for dinner. What food? Bombay duck, sweet sour chicken, spare ribs, French fried onions, pea pods, and chicken, etc. Came home tired 
and 60 cents ahead on the races. Good day. 60 cents ahead. All right. <laughs> there you go. This is probably going to be a really good time, too, because she's mentioned Andrea. We've mentioned Andrea, and she's starting to go to the racetracks. So I think we need to tell you a little bit more about Andrea. So her friend Andrea, her name is Andrea Leeds. She was born in August of 1914 in Butte, Montana, and her father was a British mining engineer. And so they traveled all over going to the different mines. And she was born as Antoinette Lees, L-E-E-S, and then one of the Hollywood people. I think it was Samuel Goldwyn. It was. It was. Changed her name, and she became Andrea Leeds. She was known as an actress who wouldn't do everything or anything. She had standards, and she was not tough to deal with, but she wasn't just going to do anything. And so even the name change was something that uh, had to be negotiated. Mm -hmm. She ended up being nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress in 1937 for the movie Stage Door. So she did receive a nomination. She didn't win, but she was good, and she was very pretty, and she was in movies, and she had a career started. But then... And as all along, she was known to date several people. There was quite a long list of people that she dated. And eventually she met a man by the name of Robert S. Howard. And he was the son of a man named Charles Howard, who owned a horse named Seabiscuit. How exciting is that? When I learned <laughs> that and I did my research on who Andrea was, and I, she does not say I saw my friend Andrea Leeds Howard. So no. she didn't. She just said Andrea. But then Andrea mentions, or our author mentions, Andrea's children. She mentions that they had the home in Bel Air. And so I had to piece all of those together and come to find out we have the woman here in this diary whose father-in-law owned the horsey biscuit, which got us me at the time I was studying this diary, I think I watched every Sea Biscuit show that I could. Yeah, so if, if you're not familiar, there was a fantastic book uh, called Sea Biscuit by Laura Hillebrand that was a best-selling book. It's a great read. It's fantastic. Lots of horse racing history and storyline, and it's an amazing story where a wobbly little horse met a wobbly little trainer. And jockey, and all of them came together, and this horse was a champion and was in one of the most famous races of the time. And horse racing was huge in this country. There was Major League Baseball, but there weren't many other professional sports. And people listened to these races on the radio by the thousands. Mm -hmm. It was huge. There's also been a movie, uh, Tobey Maguire and... Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges. That's a fantastic one. We just got finished watching it. Yeah, that yeah, was a, a rewatch because I couldn't wait to see it. Mm -hmm. I had read the book back when it came out, and I couldn't wait to see the movie. And they did a pretty good job. They uh, really did. Of course, the book goes into much more detail, and it's a fantastic read. I highly recommend it. But yeah, so there's the story about Seabiscuit. Her father-in-law owned it, and she ended up, Andrea Leeds ended up becoming involved in horse racing and breeding. She more or less left acting. She did. She had said she did not have a very long career as far as acting, not because she wasn't good. She chose to leave acting. But what was your other, the other really important point? 
Okay, well, we'll get back to now to Shirley Temple, because it's 1950 when this diary is taking place, and in 1949, Shirley Temple was in a movie called The Story of Seabiscuit. Go figure. So, you know, a couple of ties to this horse. So many things. Yeah, and again, you know, I'm, I guess I'm going on and on about the horse, but... Uh, it's a great story. Oh, amazing story. You know, this horse, I mean, and people just fell in love with this horse because, mm-hmm. you know, he was uh, he was known to be best at eating and sleeping. And- yes. And so really, <laughs> me holding the diary means I have a tie to Seabiscuit. Yeah. And now I do. <laughs> now you do. <laughs> well, oh, anyway, uh, so that's... Andrea leads. Mm-hmm. So when she speaks of Andrea, this is who we're talking about. Okay, now back to the diary entries. February 27th. Had a late and leisurely breakfast and after dressing went down to the lobby to wait for Andrea. Saw Bob come in for a rotary meeting in the palm room. Lots of people milling around. When we were paged by the doorman, I, in turning suddenly almost knocked Maureen O'Sullivan down. Andrea was driving her Buick convertible and wearing a silver-blue coat and red wool dress, expected her to look a great deal worse than she did. Mary Wall was waiting in the first booth at Romanoff's with Kay Spreckles and her boss, a Mr. Powers. I want to stop there and just add this brief note. So Kay Spreckles was married to Clark Gable. So she was in the first booth. At Romanoff's. And Romanoff's was a very famous restaurant. Oh, my gosh. It so was, famous. Yeah, it was a hangout place. And, you know, I had heard of that name before. And, of course, I've heard of Noodles Romanoff, which was a dish created there at that restaurant. Yeah. And people still eat it today, known as Noodles Romanoff. Wasn't there another dish, too? Yeah, the individual chocolate souffles were popularized there. Yeah. 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 And the owner was a guy... He went by the name Mike Romanoff, but that wasn't his name. No. (laughs) So he was a guy that probably came out from the East Coast to maybe make it in Hollywood or something. And and he did have roles in movies, so he was an actor of some sort. He kind of passed himself off as like an expert on European history and protocol. He was a con man, but a lovable one. He claimed to be the nephew of Tsar Nicholas II. And in fact, his name was Harry Gergeson. He was at one time a a presser of pants in Brooklyn. So not a Romanoff. He wasn't a Romanoff and everybody knew it, but he just went with it. I mean, and people accepted it. And, you know, it was like, they thought he was interesting, a character and People loved hanging and out. And he had the his... most famous at the time restaurant where all the Hollywood stars would go to. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. did, he really did something for himself, even if he wasn't a Romanoff, I guess. I think he just decided to act all the time. Yeah. So if he wasn't in a movie, he could act at the restaurant. Exactly. And they also said that he didn't like, he would hang out with people and take pictures, but he wouldn't eat with them. He liked to eat by himself with his dogs. But what a character. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Hollywood's full of them. Yes. Okay. So back to the entries. Betty McIntosh came in a few minutes later, and we cocktailed like mad for a couple of hours. Must have had five or six old fashions apiece, growing more confidential with each one. Met Mike Romanoff, and he is a funny little man, 
to be much admired for keeping the air of mystery alive about his ancestors. After lunch, Andrea, Betty, Mother, and I went over to change our reservation for the 13th instead of the 4th. Then to the hotel where we were shown through the new art shop. Had two more highballs in the cocktail room and then almost drunkenly retired from sight in our rooms. Four or five cocktails at lunch. Uh, five or six. Five, oh, five <laughs> or six cocktails at lunch. Two more. So that's possibly eight. Possibly eight. For that's, the a, day. that's a pretty good day. That's a pretty good day. <laughs> so the next entry is about her birthday, which is again March 1st. Yay. Yay. Happy birthday to you. Um, and Andrea actually teases her. And so she's going to buy her a 20-carat diamond ring, which I thought was very interesting. But that's also the moment that she writes she was surrounded, or she had her two favorite loves there, Andrea and her mother. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of just shows you how close the two women are. Yes. Goes to the races again for her birthday and then to the cock and bull for dinner. So that's March 1st. She writes on March 2nd, went to Felix Young's on the Strip for dinner. A new place in the same location as the old Chanticleer. It wasn't very crowded. Two floozies across the way with their Jewish sugar daddies had themselves a good old time. After laughing at them and catching up chat about many things, we were driven home. And March 3rd, after a rest, we redressed and went down to dinner. Something was going on somewhere in one of the private rooms. Jack Benny, Clifton Webb, Stuart Granger... Dave Clark all rushing about and flashlight pictures being shot on the porch as cars drove up and disgorged their passengers. Had dinner in the terrace room where the violinist really knocked himself out playing. Found a message to call Andrea in the box. Mother walked while I came up to call her. She only wanted to report that as yet no seats for the San Juan Capistrano tomorrow. And that's a racetrack. I don't hold out much hope either, but she will call one way or the other at 10 in the morning. Well, if uh, entry describes old Hollywood, that one does. Because she's at the Beverly Hills Hotel and out front with people getting out of their fancy cars and all the photographers are there and they're flashing pictures. She says there's Jack Benny, Clifton Webb, Stuart Granger, and Dave Clark all rushing around. I mean, it's just like really, truly old Hollywood, which if you could go back for one moment in time, that would be a fun one, I think. Back to the diary. March 4th. We made the track with two minutes to go, missed the betting of the first race, and the horse I picked out won. We had a wonderful table, could see everything, although it was very hazy and the smog so bad that it stung the eyes. Mother did quite well, made enough to pay the entrance fees and luncheon check, and had $9 left over. My Noor won, and I had five bucks on the nose. Got $22. What a race. A stretch duel between Noor and Citation with a final photo showing Noor head by a nose. I had screamed and yelled so hard, had beaten the table, that when the race was over, I had little voice left. And I will also put this on my website. You will find a newspaper clipping of that photo finish with the horse Noor, just that one nose just ahead of Citation. And I believe Citation went on to be quite the famous racehorse, too. Did you read that it was a triple crown winner? Oh, yes, yes. I did. Okay. I did. That's right. Yeah. So what an exciting day at the races. 
<laughs> totally. Yeah. I wonder if they drank. <laughs> you know, she didn't mention it, did no, she? No. Well, anyway, that's uh, that was a good entry. I really like that one. March 5th. Had a late breakfast finishing just in time to dispense with the table before Mrs. Pointer's arrival. Dressed leisurely and drove down to the Don Fee Studios for the R. Miss Brooks show. Eve came down between rehearsals and told us to come back after the broadcast. Had an hour to kill, so went to an ice cream bar and had a malt and a piece of cheesecake. Got back in time to get a good seat in the second row. It was a dilly of a show. Afterwards, just got a hold of Eve as she was leaving. The youngest little girl, Bridget, was with her. Also a man who is evidently the one for her at the moment. Walked to her car with them, and Eve said she hoped she could have dinner with us before we left. She's very busy working on an independent picture, partying every night, and doing her broadcast on Sunday. And I've got to add here, again, she does not mention Eve's last name, but with the young girl that's with Eve and with the radio broadcast that Eve's doing and the name of the show, this woman is Eve Arden. And for those of you who do not know much about Eve and some of her earlier work, some of her later work, she was in Greece. She was the high school principal. And the show that John Travolta and... Um, Olivia Newton-John. Yeah. I mean, go figure. And then the radio show. I looked up Lux Theater radio shows. And that's another point in time that I would love to go back to. Because those are the kinds of radio shows before where they had the stage. You could go in as an audience and watch. The orchestra was behind them. Then they have uh, several actors who would voice in and do a show that wasn't filmed, but it was just for the radio. And so they had all kinds of sound effects going and stuff like that. So it was just, it would be a really cool thing to watch. I think so. I actually went to one that was kind of a reproduction of like a USO show where they did similar things like that. My neighbor played in the band and it was really entertaining. And, you know, people really went all out back then because that's what they had to do. And, And if you think about it, they had to, because if you weren't being filmed, your voice, kind of like podcasting, your voice, if you had to act with just your voice and then have sound effects, it would be much harder, I think. I think so, too. Yeah, take a lot of uh, talent. Well, you wouldn't have to look all pretty. That's, (laughs) I guess. Like, yeah. But anyway, it was (laughs) a point in time. time. You know, yeah. Okay. Eve Arden. Eve Arden. Okay, March 7th. We arrived at Romanoff's and found a big crowd. No table available, so we sat at the bar and waited over Scotch old fashions. Humphrey Bogart was doing a solo at lunch, looking much nicer than expected. Mary Wall arrived and then Betty. We went to our table, and over the second or third drink, Freeman Godson, Andy, and his wife came by the table and were introduced. Then Ann Baxter and John Hodiak came in, and I turned to Andrea with the remark, I'd love to say hello to her. Andrea took my hand and said, come on, I'll introduce you. Ann was very sweet, and we chatted about Briarcliff Manor and Sleepy Hollow and mutual friends, the Brad Crandalls, the Wymans, etc. She was very gracious and friendly, and when they left, she called out she was happy to have met us. So a lot more stars. I mean, just look them up and they're just everywhere. Yeah, quite a day. Yes. And 
Then the next day, they're at Romanoff's again, and she sees more stars. And this time, she sees Betty Grable. That's right. Yeah. So she's got to be somebody. We need to find out who she is. Yeah, we have to try to find it. We have to try to find it. All right. Well, March 9th, we dressed and went down for dinner. Afterwards, I thought I saw a familiar face and couldn't remember the name. The desk clerk couldn't help me, nor the captain in the polo lounge. So I wrote a note asking if it were the same young lady who was on the Uruguay last spring traveling from Montevideo to Rio. It was, and out she came, speaking much better English than formerly, named Francesca Descafa, and she's being groomed for stardom out here. And did I ever find out some information on this woman? Didn't know anything about her. But then when I went to look her up on the web, I want to give you a little bit of uh, history. It said she was a beautiful actress whose career was derailed due to involvement in the Confidential Magazine scandal trials of 1957. Confidential Magazine went where no publication had gone before in exposing to a curious public the private lives of celebrities. In this scandal, Francesca was known to be the chief Hollywood source, and she was quoted as saying, I have access to almost every home in Hollywood, and I can get a lot of stories. She attempted suicide in Mexico in 1957 to avoid the trial. Huge, huge trial, too. Yeah, very interesting. Very interesting. So she meets her. And it sounds like, just by this entry, our author was on another cruise. uh, Yeah, the the year before. Yes, the year before. and Again, they have the means to do that. Yes, Means and the time. Exactly. Yeah, it'll be fun when we figure out who she is. Mm -hmm. So on March 11th, our author and her mother head to Andrea's house to attend Andrea Daughter's Leanne's birthday party. Another clue, just to help us to really find out who Andrea was, I looked up uh, Leanne's birthday day, and of course it was on March 11th. Well, remember in the very beginning, I told you that there were 160 pages of entries. And I think here, we've only read from probably about 25 of those pages. So as you can imagine, there's so much to this diary. And we hope we've um, shared a little bit about what the journey was like. So I want to read you the very last entry. And it's on March 13th. Today, I've had a lump in my throat each time I think of leaving, and I know that another year won't pass until I return. This was the day of the farewell luncheon, and so many things were said during the cocktail time that made me know how much I hated to leave and how little I know really about my friends out here, what's happening to them. And all the time I write this, I'm using the term them, and I mean Andrea. I can only hope I can pick up and come out here very soon and see what I can do by myself. If you read this, Mommy, don't misunderstand, but it's an ambition of mine and has been for a long time. Betty, Vivi, and her mother drove us home from Andrea's. This time I really said goodbye to Andrea and could hardly tear away. We are in our room now. The lump is still in my throat, and there's not a thing I can do about it. Our packing is almost finished. I'll be back. And that's where Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> learned that term. <laughs> I, I couldn't resist. I'm glad you did. <laughs> do your Arnold. Come on. Do oh, your Arnold. I'll be back. <laughs> Terrible. No, it's great. <laughs> well, this was a fun diary, a nice travel journal. It was 
well, almost planes, trains, and automobiles. Well, there was a plane. Yeah, they, they flew to the other island. Oh, there was. Yeah, so we had it all. That's perfect. Yeah. Lots of interesting people. Yeah, and it's, you know, this is the kind of diary and the kind of story that you want to just share every single thing, every single passage, but it's almost impossible to do here. But I think we did a pretty good job of uh, giving you an idea of what her adventures were like. Now, if we only knew who she was. Well, and as of this recording, we don't, but we're going to keep working on it. And so maybe by the time we get done editing, we'll know. Yeah. And we can pop it in here somewhere. And if not, if we ever do find out who she is, we will definitely post it somewhere, yeah. and somehow. If any of you happen to figure it out or happen to know who she is, go to diarydiscoveries at gmail.com and let us know. Please. We would love to hear about it. We need help. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I hope you've enjoyed this little ride. I had fun. I I'm, did. Yeah, and I'm still having fun with this. Yeah. Uh, we're not done with it. So no. we'll keep going. Uh, we invite you to join in again on the next one. And thank you for listening. Yes, thank you for listening. Till next time. For more information about Sally and her diaries, go to sallysdiaries.com.